to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. By watching minimal cells regain the fitness they lost, researchers are testing whether a genome can be too simple to evolve. That's next. You've learned from Quanta. Now we want to learn from you. Quanta is conducting a series of surveys to better serve our audience. Take our podcast listener survey and you'll be entered to win a free Quanta book, t-shirt, or tote bag. Head to quantamag.typeform.com backslash podcast to answer our questions or click the link in the podcast description. About seven years ago, researchers showed that they could strip cells down to their barest fundamentals, creating a life form with the smallest genome that still allowed it to grow and divide in the lab. But in shedding half of its genetic load, that minimal cell also lost some of the hardiness and adaptability that natural life evolved over billions of years. That left biologists wondering whether the reduction might have been a one-way trip. In pruning the cells down to their bare essentials, had they left the cells incapable of evolving because they couldn't survive a change in even one more gene? Now we have proof that even one of the weakest, simplest, self-replicating organisms on the planet can adapt. During just 300 days of evolution in the lab, the generational equivalent of 40,000 human years, measly minimal cells regained all the fitness they had sacrificed. A team at Indiana University recently reported that finding in the journal Nature. The researchers found that the cells responded to selection pressures about as well as the tiny bacteria from which they were derived. A second research group at the University of California, San Diego, came to a similar conclusion independently. Kate Adamala is a biochemist and assistant professor at the University of Minnesota who wasn't involved in either study. She says it turns out that life... Even the simple life of a minimal cell is much more robust than we thought. Even in a genome where every single gene serves a purpose and a change would seemingly be detrimental, evolution molds organisms adaptively. Rosanna Zia is a physicist at the University of Missouri whose research aims to build a physics-based model of a minimal cell. She wasn't involved in the study, but she says it's a stunning achievement. Zia says the new work shows that even without any genome resources to spare, the minimal cells could increase their fitness through random changes in essential genes. The new evolution experiments are starting to provide insights into how the smallest, simplest organisms might evolve, and how principles of evolution unite all forms of life, even genetic novelties developed in labs. John Glass is an author on the Nature Study and the leader of the Synthetic Biology Group at the J. Craig Venter Institute, or JCVI, in California. The group first engineered the minimal cell. We have the most tractable organism on Earth, and it's easy to work with. And increasingly, we are seeing evidence that this is an organism that is not something bizarro and unlike the rest of life on Earth, but it has this core set of genes in it that are 
what life on Earth, for the most part, has. Just as 19th and 20th century physicists used hydrogen, the simplest of all the atoms, to make seminal discoveries about matter, synthetic biologists have been developing minimal cells to study the basic principles of life. That goal was realized in 2016, when Glass and his colleagues produced a minimal cell, JCVI SYN 3.0. They modeled it after Mycoplasma mycoides. That's a goat-dwelling parasitic bacterium that already gets by with a very small genome. In 2010, the team had engineered a synthetic version of the natural bacterial cell. Using it as a guide, they drew up a list of genes known to be essential assembled them in a yeast cell, and then transferred that new genome into a closely related bacterial cell that was emptied of its original DNA. Two years later, at a conference in New England, Jay Lennon, an evolutionary biologist at Indiana University Bloomington, listened to a talk from Clyde Hutchison, a professor emeritus at JCVI, who had led the team engineering the minimal cell. Lennon asked him a question afterward. For me, what seemed to be an obvious question, but clearly wasn't for a cell biologist, was, you know, what happens when you let this organism loose? And I think he asked, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, there are these forces of evolution which are kind of inescapable. Mutations are going to arise. In fact, you've stripped away non-essential genes that are involved in the repair of such mutations. So what is an organism that's been stripped of all its non-essential genes going to do in the face of mutation, selection, random genetic drift, etc.? For Lennon, as an evolutionary biologist, the question was an obvious one. But after he and Hutchison both pondered it for a few minutes, it became apparent that the answer wasn't. Here's Lennon again. From a very basic perspective, this is a type of life. It's an artificial type of life, but it's still life. Lennon says the minimal cell still fulfills the most basic definition of life as something able to reproduce and grow. It should therefore respond to evolutionary pressures, just as gorillas, frogs, fungi, and all other organisms do. To what degree is the minimal cell constrained in its evolution? Lennon says they had an overarching hypothesis about the streamlined genome. We predicted that genome minimization would kind of hinder, hamper, cripple the ability of this organism to adaptively evolve. But no one had a clue what would really happen because researchers have generally taken great care to keep minimal cells from evolving. When samples of the cells are distributed by JCVI to any of the roughly 70 labs that now work with them, they're delivered in pristine condition and frozen at minus 80 degrees Celsius. Lennon says when you take them out, it's like their first day on Earth. We shouldn't be expecting these cells necessarily to be behaving like domesticated strains of E. coli or Saccharomyces or Pseudomonas that have been domesticated in the laboratory for 50 years. These are brand new cells that had never seen a day of evolution. Shortly after their encounter, Hutchison put Lennon in touch with Glass, who shared samples of his team's minimal cells with Lennon's lab in Indiana. Then, Lennon and Roy Moger-Reicher, his graduate student at the time, got to work. They began with an experiment aimed at measuring mutation rates in the minimal cells. 
They repeatedly transferred a sliver of the growing minimal cell population into petri dishes, which freed the cells to grow without constraining influences like competition. They found that the minimal cell mutated at a rate comparable to that of the engineered mycoplasma mycoides, which is the highest of any recorded bacterial mutation rate. The mutations in the two organisms were fairly similar, but the researchers noticed that a natural mutational bias was exaggerated in the minimal cell. In the mycoplasma mycoides cells, a mutation was 30 times more likely to switch an A or a T in the genetic code for a G or a C than the other way around. In the minimal cell, it was 100 times more likely. The probable explanation is that some genes removed during the minimization process normally prevent that mutation. In a second series of experiments, rather than bringing over a small group of cells, the researchers transferred dense populations of cells for 300 days and 2,000 generations. That allowed more competition and natural selection to occur. This favored beneficial mutations and the emergence of genetic variants that eventually ended up in all the cells. To measure the fitness of the cells, they calculated their maximum growth rate every 65 to 130 generations. The faster the cells grew, the more daughter cells they produced for the next generation. To compare the fitness of evolved and unevolved minimal cells, the researchers made them compete against the ancestral bacteria. Here's Lennon again. So we knew that the minimal cell genome minimization made the cell sick. Then we measured the rate at which it adapted over 2,000 generations. And for that comparison, we were really interested in to what degree does the minimal cell evolve compared to the non-minimal cell. They measured how abundant the cells were at the start of the experiment and after 24 hours. And they calculated that the original minimal cell had lost 53% of its relative fitness along with its non-essential genes. Yet, by the end of the experiments, the minimal cells had evolved all that fitness back. They could go toe-to-toe -to -toe against the ancestral bacteria. Anthony Vecchiarelli is a microbiologist at the University of Michigan who wasn't involved in the study. He calls the findings exciting. It's very thought-provoking, but also a first step. And I think it sounds like there's significant implications in treatment of pathogens, better understanding evolution of endosymbionts, which mycoplasma mycoides is, is. But what's really attractive for me is just like how we can use evolution to refine our microorganisms for synthetic biology. Yet the power of natural selection was clear. It randomly optimized fitness in even the simplest autonomous organism, which had little to no flexibility for mutation. When Lennon and Mogerreicher adjusted for the relative fitness of the organisms, they found that the minimal cells evolved 39% faster than the synthetic mycoplasma mycoides bacteria from which they were derived. Here's Vecchiarelli again. It blew my mind that you can have an organism that essentially just has essential genes. You would think that if you have only essential genes, now you've really limited the amount of evolution that one can go in the positive direction, because now you would expect almost everything to be deleterious. It's uncertain what would happen if the cells were to keep evolving. Would they gain back some of the genes or complexity that they lost in the minimization process? After all, the minimal cell itself is still a bit of a mystery. 
about 80 of the genes essential to its survival have no known function. The findings also raise questions about which genes need to stay in the minimal cell for natural selection and evolution to proceed. Since 2016, the JCVI team has added back some non-essential genes to help the minimal cell lines grow and divide more like natural cells. Before they did that, JCVI Sin 3.0 was growing and dividing into weird shapes. It's a phenomenon that Glass and his team are investigating to see if their minimal cells divide the way primordial cells did. The researchers found that most of the beneficial mutations favored by natural selection in their experiments were in essential genes. But one critical mutation was in a non-essential gene called FTSZ, which codes for a protein that regulates cell division. When it mutated in mycoplasma mycoides, the bacterium grew 80% larger. Curiously, the same mutation in the minimal cell didn't increase its size. Linen says this shows how mutations can have different functions depending on the cellular context. In a complementary study, a group led by Bernard Paulson at the University of California, San Diego, reported similar results from experiments on a variant of the same minimal cell. They didn't find an FTSZ mutation in their evolved minimal cells, but they did find similar mutations in other genes that govern cell division. Paulson says this emphasizes the point that there are multiple ways to achieve a biological outcome. They didn't look at cell size, but they checked which genes were expressed before, during, and after the episode of evolution. They observed a fear-greed trade-off. That's a tendency also seen in natural bacteria to evolve mutations in genes that will help it grow rather than mutations that would produce more DNA repair proteins to correct the errors. Paulson says here you can see that mutations tend to reflect the cellular processes that are needed to improve a function. For many researchers, the entire point of a minimal cell is to serve as a critically useful guide to understanding more complex natural cells and the rules they follow. Other studies are also beginning to probe how minimal cells respond to natural pressures. A group reported in iScience in 2021 that minimal cells can quickly evolve resistance to different antibiotics, just like bacteria. Knowing which genes are more likely to mutate and lead to useful adaptations could someday help researchers design drugs that get better at what they do in the body over time. Because, as one researcher says, no matter how much you engineer it, it's still biology, and biology evolves. Arlene Santana helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Yasmin Saplakolu's full article, Even Synthetic Life Forms with a Tiny Genome Can Evolve, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Quantum Magazine is an editorially independent online publication supported by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science. Music